Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? (laughs) I laugh when I say that question. It's a loaded question these days. But you know what? We're getting through it together, you know? We're getting through it together. We're all, we're all in a very similar space. That's what's quite phenomenal about some world events um, is that you're in it together. You know, even as a therapist, I'm helping some people through exactly what I'm going through as well. You know, how do we get back out into the world? How do we feel about all that's happening around us? So we got your back. We got a great show planned. Uh, as always, DMs are wide open. If you got a question for us, drop it in there. Uh, we're going to open the show talking about mindfulness. Now, um, interesting thing I was, uh, before we get into the topic Excel itself, how to bring mindfulness more into our lives consistently daily, I was looking at an article that was looking at how the practice of mindfulness impacts different personality styles. So this might be a little punchy, a little hard to hear, but it was saying that people that are already a little too self-centered or narcissistic tend to misuse mindfulness as a way to make it more about themselves. Where people that are more community-minded, focusing on others, they tend to apply it more community universally driven, which makes sense. But the point they're making is mindfulness isn't probably a good thing for someone who's self-obsessed or narcissistic because it just builds more self-obsession. And I've seen some people use spiritual practices that way. We call it spiritual bypassing, where spirituality is really rooted in being better for others. How can I work on myself so I'm a better parent? How can I work on myself so I'm a better child, a better friend, a better partner, a better colleague, right? A better lover. Like as we talk endlessly about on Loveline, you impact those around you. Your mental health impacts their mental health. Our mental health is an accumulation of the health of those around us. We literally think about it. It's called, well, it's a harsh term. It's called social contagion. Um, but socialization is an easier word, which just means we take on the norms of those around us. It's not a surprise that you dress a little bit like your friends, talk a little bit like them, take on some of their mannerisms or maybe family members or people you're dating um, because we're open systems. People do make you feel a certain way. We are impacted by others. That's called being relational. And some people though are a little too individualistic. They worry a little bit about themselves and they'll use spirituality as a way to focus on getting more and settling themselves down and getting Zen. And it's like, that was not really what it was about. It was more about a vehicle so as to participate differently in the world. And that's what mindfulness is about. It it is about your own mental health, but you working on your mental health so that you're not negatively impacting others. That's really like that leftover piece. 
even uh, Carl Jung, I love Jungian psychology. I think it's the most beautiful, profound thing. And he talked about individuation and, um, that world that word comes from his work and, and being individuated which is the role of adulthood whereas a child we just follow we're just it's all about conformity when you're in the first phase of life and when i say first phase of life that can be for some their entire lives not everyone moves into the second phase but the first phase is about getting socialized it's about learning the rules and regulations of our culture it's about conformity and assimilation we want to look like everyone sound like everyone our friends you know we want to be cool well it's all about building up that ego, right? The second phase of life is then killing off that ego and getting more authentic and honest and saying, I don't need to look like everyone else or think like them or, or talk like them. Who am I meant to be? And that's the second phase of life. Some people never get there. Some people live their entire lives just trying to be who they think they're supposed to be, you know, as opposed to being true to self and authentic, which often means disappointing, letting people down. It's one of the most profound ways we know that we're really being ourselves is when we let some people down and frustrate them from a healthy place of saying, that's not who I am, or that's not how I operate. That's not how I think. That's not how I live. That's not how I believe. Right. But not everyone even gets there. And that's why I said, it's not a midlife breakdown or midlife crisis. It's a midlife breakthrough where you're realizing what I've been doing the God I've been honoring, the God of money, the God of career, the God of whatever these things are, the God of a gym, having a gym body, um, it fails us. It's failed us. And we realize that we want more truth, right? And that's that's what spirituality is about, is getting us that second phase. And that's what Carl Jung was talking about when he talked about the, uh, the task of mental health and being an adult is individuation. It's about separating out from what the world wants, what the world's doing, and saying, I have to go on my own journey and realize who I am, right? But the second piece is to then return to the world as this better self, right? And that's what mindfulness is really supposed to be about. It's not just about us. Um, but I wanna bring the topic up because it has, a really, it has a lot of really important mental health implications, right? And it's something that we can use as adults, we can use as children, um, and we can bring it and incorporate it into um, anything, no matter what your age is. And it doesn't take a lot. And there's a lot of simple activities to kind of get more familiar with that. So in our next segment, when we come back, we're going to kind of break that down. But um, I just wanted that to be like the headliner is, you know, it doesn't have to always be because um, when I was first introduced to mindfulness, it was very much rooted in where it comes from, which is Eastern philosophy, Buddhism. Uh, and it's very much gotten Americanized, which is not a good thing. Cause what that means is it's moved away from its original purpose. It's moved away from spirituality. And now a lot of people use it to then get back to making money and acquiring things. And it was never about that. It wasn't a tool or a goal or a vehicle for materialism or ego. It was supposed to be as a, it was supposed to be a tool to get rid of our ego, to move away from form and material and all of that. And these are uh, higher spiritual purposes. So Anyway, we'll talk more about that. We're going to take a little break. Um, but guess what, y'all? You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. And Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, we're back. We're talking about mindfulness and ways to kind of fold it into our day. Something to think about because uh, we live in a culture where it's all about faster, harder, more, 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 faster, harder, push, push, push. You know, self-improvement culture, uh, this is where it gets real funky and it's nuanced. Am I all about self-improvement? Sure. We all have a lot of work to do psychologically and emotionally. Our unhealed trauma, our unresolved stuff impacts our friends, our colleagues, our children, those around us, right? Like we, we owe it to the world and those we're in relationships with to be better. However, I think there's a problematic version of self-improvement culture, which means that there's always more to do. And even though, as, even though there's always more to do, it shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be labor. It should be more of a psychological practice. We should be doing it in a self-care way, in terms of love. It shouldn't be something that's exhausting or stressful. But it, a self-improvement culture isn't supposed to be about ego and money and, and the accumulation of things and how to build an empire. And I see people applying it to that. And that's a misuse of it. That's a bypassing. It's really about getting back to truth, which is none of that. You know, I was talking to a friend, side conversation, but what was really meaningful and tied to this is they were saying, I forget what was said, but it led me to say to them, everyone believes in God. Everyone literally does. It's just for some people, it's more of a biblical God. For others, it's some spiritual version, but for others, their God is money. They worship at the altar of money. They worship the altar of watches and cars. Some people, their God is a gym body. They, 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 they live and worship at the altar of, I want flat abs. But none of these things promise anything, especially not happiness. We've talked about that on the show. Happiness is about living a life tied to purpose and meaning. Happiness, as the studies show over and over and over again, is not about the material things you have. Yes, if your basic needs are not met, that is a real thing. Yes, having money can put a smile on your face and help you accumulate things and experiences. I'm not denying that. But I'm saying is when they look at the research, and it's really, the really good research is when they're looking at lottery winners, that at some point, nine months into a year, a little bit more, it just becomes the new norm for you and the issues that you're struggling with or dealing with remain. You know, I work with some of the most wealthy, successful people within their specific domains. Wealthy, successful um, artists and art dealers, let's say painters and musicians and models and agents and all of these things. And they all deal with the same life issues. It's just that, yes, maybe they have three cars as opposed to one, but they're still dealing with the same core issues. Point being is that we assume once I get to a higher income bracket that I'll feel better. My happiness will be better. We know from the research that yes, if you're below a certain income bracket, you might have some financial stresses that are going, that are absolutely going to impede on your happiness potentially. 
However, once you hit a certain income bracket, it no longer matters because having three cars versus five or 10 or one isn't enough of a shift once that just becomes how your life is and who you are and how your money is. And so it, it doesn't necessarily create these long-term shifts like we think it would. So mindfulness is about bringing ourselves back to the moment. Mindfulness is about checking in with ourselves. Mindfulness is about being in our bodies. Mindfulness is about being in the experience. How's that mental health specific? Well, it's taking you out of your anxiety. Anxiety is usually historical or anticipatory. Anxiety that we experience and struggle with is often not even something that's in the moment. It's, it's thinking about what might happen or what's gonna happen tomorrow or what just happened. But, it's, but we're out of the moment. And depression and other mental health struggles can be the same thing. Some people with their problematic relationship to drugs or alcohol, it's about an, an inability to really be in the moment. And that's where mindfulness comes in. Um, we can do walking meditation. That was something early on for me that was needed because I'm high energy. It was really hard for me to settle down. In fact, it wasn't mentally healthy for me to force myself to sit still. I wasn't ready for stillness in that way. And walking meditation became a really powerful way to work with my energy levels naturally. Mindful driving. Oh my gosh, while you're driving your car, you can focus on how it feels to sit in your seat. How stable or unstable, how soft or hard, do you feel any temperatures? What textures do you feel? How heavy does the car feel? Can you feel the road? Because when you really start to get mindful and step into the moment, you can actually feel the road. Is it smooth? Is it bumpy? Is it gravel? Is it textured? Can you hear the road? Can you hear the tires on the road? What do you hear? Our senses are really the most powerful way to really do mindfulness. What do you see? How many different colors do you see? We also use these as grounding exercises for people that are in a trauma response. You can say the first thing, how many different colors can you see? Or how many blue objects can you see around you? Then you move into smell. What, how many different smells can you smell? How many different sounds can you hear? What do you feel? Do you feel temperatures? That's how we bring ourselves back into the moment. We can do that in our cars. Focusing on one thing at a time is another way to bring more mindfulness into our lives. That is a rule I've given everyone in my practice, one thing at a time. We don't want to get familiar or comfortable multitasking. We also know multitasking is actually not a thing you can do. You can only focus on one thing at a time. And transitioning back and forth between focal points or things that you're doing at, at let's say, work, for instance, actually makes you less focused, less competent, and you lose efficacy and efficiency in that transition time. It's better to do one thing at a time. So if you're interviewing people and people are like, oh, I multitask well, say to them, well, no, you don't. We know that neurologically. And we'd rather have someone who focuses on completing a task before moving on to the next one so that they're picking up on all the nuances, nothing's falling through the cracks. We don't want to multitask in our life at home. If you're with your friends, if you're with your friends or your family members, be with them. Turn your phone off. Stick it in a drawer. If you have to go on your phone one thing at a time, hey guys, let me stop you for a second. I'm gonna go to the other room and check my phone. You leave it in the other room and you go there and you look at it. If you're watching TV home alone, if you're gonna go on your phone, pause the movie. If you're gonna watch the movie, put your phone down. If you want to go back on your phone, pause the movie, go back on your phone. But no more laying there while we're scrolling and watching the movie because you're definitely then not watching the movie. So pause it. It, and I hate when people are like, oh, I can hear you. And anyone that's a longtime listener knows that I'll say things all the time, like, I'll wait. And it frustrates people, but I'm going to wait. If you're going to pick up your phone while we're talking, I'll wait. I deserve and demand full attention. One thing at a time. Your child talking to you or spending time with you shouldn't be separated by you also doing something. I know sometimes you try to collapse them in, but I'm sorry, you can't be focusing on measuring out the lentil beans while also listening deeply to the story of your child that they're sharing with you from their day. One thing at a time. 
Now I know there's privilege in that. I know that everyone can't pull it off, but we try to do the best we can. All right, we're going to go to a little break. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about how to bring mindfulness into our day. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris and the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about how to bring mindfulness into every aspect of our life. If nothing else, walk away from tonight's show, hearing Dr. Chris saying over and over in your head, one thing at a time. I'm a big fan of people plugging their phones in and leaving them in the place where it's plugged in. And if you need to use your phone, you go over there and you use it over there and then you return. We get familiar being away from and off of our phones. You cannot be practicing mindfulness. Let me use another word, presence, actual presence is mindfulness. You can't be fully participating in the moment or in the conversation or time with someone if you're actively doing something else. If you're gonna be on your phone, be on your phone. I would love for people to leave their phones behind. We've talked about stacking them. When I go out to eat with friends, we stack our phones and put them all in a stack at the end of the table and we're present. If someone needs to be on their phone, they say, hey guys, give me a second and they go on their phone and we all pause and then they come back one thing at a time. If you need to cook dinner, cook dinner. Tell your child, let me finish cooking and then I'll sit down and we can talk. But this whole idea of getting people familiar and okay with the lack of boundaries of one thing at a time is something we want to get rid of and leave behind. I want us to create, raise people in a world and reestablish the idea that if you're spending time with someone or something, be there. Remember, there was a time when we didn't have cell phones. There was a time when if someone was out in the world, you could not get a hold of them. We didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones, and we got through fine. People were able to be out for the day. Rough example, at the mall or at, let's say, Disneyland for the day, and they were not reachable. The world didn't come to a screeching halt. We don't need to get accessibility by the second. It's okay for an email to go left unread for a few hours. It really is. It's okay for a text message to sit unread for a few hours. We need to get more familiar with that. I'm seeing people literally even during a therapy session looking at something coming in on their screen. That should not be normalized, but it is normalized. I watch people at restaurants on their phone while they're also sitting there at the table talking to people. Let's make that unfamiliar. Let's make that socially odd. Let's not keep that going. So one thing at a time, if you do nothing else, but like we said earlier in the other segment, sitting in your car, what do you hear? What do you see? How many different colors can you see? Can you feel the car? Can you feel the chair? Can you feel the road? It's also grounding techniques for when someone's getting triggered or having a flashback or a trauma response. We bring ourselves back into the moment in our body by, by checking in on the senses. It's a really powerful grounding thing. Also eating. I loved this. Try eating with your non-dominant hand. Try actually tasting what you're eating. I realized I was just shoveling food down. Sit in silence. Can you, can you call out different flavors, different textures, right? But I love the idea of turning off your TV, putting your phone down, closing your laptop, and just sitting with your food. I talk to you guys endlessly about how I'll spend my nights listening to music, doing nothing else, just feeling and hearing the music, listening to the lyrics, listening to the emotion that the band or the musician wanted me to feel, listening to the different sounds, letting it go through my body. We can't experience the total experience of a lot of things, movies, songs, conversations, even sex, when we're focusing on all these secondary and tertiary things. One thing at a time, if you're having sex, just have sex. Keep coming back to the moment. Don't worry about what your body is doing or how your body looks or the sound you're making or whatever it is. We're working on being in the moment as much as possible. And that's really what mindfulness is about is presence, right? Mindful gardening. Mindful activities for kids. What do they hear? What do they see? What do they smell? How do things feel? 
teaching kids breathing techniques. I mean, these are really important self-regulatory skills, right? That aren't familiar. Because remember, we live in a world where I said earlier, it's about faster, harder, more. We always think it's about pushing to extremes, but often, and this comes up when I do couples and sex therapy, often the work isn't about adding more, more pressure, more toys, more stimulation. It's about the opposite, getting rid of all that, going slower, spending more time with the body part or whatever activity we're engaging in, staying there longer, slowing down, Maybe making the whole event just one one activity or behavior, not trying to make sure we do step one and then step two and then step three and then we finish or whatever it is. We're, we're really stretching it out. We're slowing down. We're being more present. We're doing the mindful activities. What do you smell? What do you feel? Where do you feel it? What do you taste? What do you see? Bringing in the senses around us. That's when I know someone's really mindful in the moment when you go to someone's home for a meal and they have candles, they're thinking about ambiance, they have music playing, they're thinking about sound, right? And you can see that they're trying to just bring you into a moment. They're trying to curate a total experience. I'll never forget this. I knew this would never work. It was a one date only, but I was on a date. This is years ago. And we were at a gallery, one of my favorite galleries. And there I am excited. I'm looking at the art. I look over, they're on their phone. I knew then, wow, and it wasn't anything emergent. It was just completely needing to tech, to check in when a text came in. And I thought, this person isn't even with me. This person isn't even here. They're literally in the text. They just left me for a few minutes. That, that, that is something that they're not comfortable delaying or coming back to. They're doing it now while they're with me in this space around this amazing art. So disembodied, so not present, so not emotionally intelligent. So not even socially aware, you're on a date. This is, this is like a, maybe a first date, maybe a second date. Very telling, very disappointing, but we learn a lot, you know? All right, y'all, coming up next, we're gonna glide into those DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs. Brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. All right, here we go. This question says, what are some tips for better communication about sex? Even though my partner and I have been together for about two years, I still feel shy when it comes to sex and how, excuse me, we can explore new things together. So you're asking about communication, but especially communication about newness. Um, this is phenomenal. I love this question. The first thing I will always say is you guys have been together for two years, so this should be something you should be able to answer for yourself. How, how uh, psychologically and sexually mature is your partner? Because um, we do want to take into account the individual or the context in which we're trying to practice this communication. We live in a sex-phobic, sex-negative culture. Not everyone has the maturity to hear about diverse, creative, sexual things, right? Not everyone can handle that kind of intimacy and vulnerability. So that's always my first question. Is this someone who's safe to be gone to with this kind of information regard I don't because I don't know exactly what communication means to you about sex so that's the first question and then the follow-up is I always remind people frame it that way that discussing sex is about intimacy and transparency and it's about bonding it's about closeness and if we can't with our primary partner 
discuss who we are sexually, well, then who are we to discuss that with? I mean, I want us to be able to discuss that in a perfect world with anyone and everyone as, as we talk about what we like musically, fashion, food, sex should not be something that has to be excluded. But until we get to that world where we have a better ability to encounter sex and it's safer culturally, um, that's part of it. So make sure you always frame it like, hey, we're doing this in service of getting to know each other better. We're also doing this in service of creating more ongoing satisfaction between the two of us, right? So build that in in that way. Uh, then we move into the third piece, which is make sure you're talking about it in the way that it should be talked about. Sex is like dessert. It should be about fun, pleasure, and joy. So we shouldn't be using words that imply it's bad or wrong, or we shouldn't be critical. We should just be talking happily. It's like if you're talking about what kind of donuts you like and what kind of ice cream and other desserts, you should be doing it in a way that you are savoring it and you're smiling. Um, and you're just really, really, really sitting in this beautifully rich topic. Um, that unfortunately culturally has a lot of triggers around people have their own traumas. So that's really the, the first couple steps. And then the other part is what a gift that you care so much about this person that you want to gift them deeper truths about who you are. And also what a gift and a sign of care for the relationship that you want to give it its best and the most sustainability. And that can often come from having a great sex life. It's a form of intimacy that we have access to that other relationships sometimes don't. Sometimes friends have sex and that's great that they have that available, uh, but a lot of them don't. And this becomes something that we have access to with our primary partner. Take advantage of that. Having a rough day, jumpstart your connection with sex. Feeling distant, jumpstart it with sex. Don't ever want to feel distant, keep sex prioritized, right? So I, I love your willingness, but again, it's how safe is this partner and how mature are they around these topics, then making sure you're framing it as this is an act of love, care, and intimacy building, then make sure you talk about it very confidently. It's a good topic. Talk about it in terms of love and joint arousal. And then finally, let them know that this is how we show care and commitment by divulging these deeper parts of ourselves. Some people though are in relationships where they do need to really lean more on maybe privacy and boundaries. We have a right to have privacy or boundaries with anyone around anything. Um, but I would like for us to be with partners that are safe. And if not, work on getting there. Work on getting your relationship more familiar with personal disclosure so that at some point you can kind of lean into this. You know, it becomes, it becomes a larger metaphor for the kind of relationship you want in general. Um, so do that work, but I guess the one piece I left out is you have to first make sure that you are confident with who you are sexually. So start there. Do you have any work to do? Do you have any shame? Because again, exposing and disclosing is how we work through shame. Shame is maintained by secrecy and hiding, right? Um, so that might be the final step, but the first step is making sure you are confident and understand who you are so that you can present yourself in a very confident, grounded way, right? That's important. Sometimes people leave that out and then they expect our, the partner to be uh, better than they are able to be, or they expect the partner to be more grounded or less anxious than they are able to be. You have to kind of lead that, you know, um, but important stuff. So absolutely make sure you do that. All right, we're going to take a little break and uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about uh, therapy and ghosting and all sorts of horrible stuff, <laughs> but it's important stuff. So stick around. Going to learn some lessons about some new concepts in the dating world. God bless. It's never dull. Um, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q brought to you by Astroglide. Take a little break. We'll be back. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back. And I just wanted to quickly cover a topic. This came up. Um, that's a long story. It doesn't matter why. But I just wanted to normalize that there's no right or wrong reason for therapy. Um, some people do believe that you can really 
uh, okay, let me say this. Some people believe that therapy is only for people that are having massive life events happening or struggling profoundly. And that's not true. Therapy is something that's for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And every single patient in my practice is there for something really different and distinct. And some of them are very severe, life-altering issues, and others, it's more self-exploratory. So know that. There's no right or wrong reason. And I see some memes where people are kind of trying to suss that out. And whatever your reasoning is, is, is meaningful enough. So just want to remind you that. It doesn't have to be something that's massive. Whatever you're struggling with is, is okay. Our mental health matters enough where we're allowed to just check in on things. You know what I mean? You're allowed to do it because you lost a pet. You know, you're allowed to do it because you're bummed out about getting dumped. There's so much that can come out of unpacking what happened, why it happened, how you're seeing it, looking at coping mechanisms. So just know that, you know, um, it doesn't have to be a crisis. And in fact, some people, it's great that they come in when they don't have anything wrong because that's when we can really work on self-care, right? Uh, self-regulation and all sorts of different things that are really hard to get into when someone's having a profoundly difficult time. Same thing with couples. Sometimes it's great to come in when you're in a marriage or a relationship and things aren't bad at all, but you want to capitalize on or focus on what's going well or really, uh, really kind of decrease or get rid of some things that aren't so horrible, but are kind of there and you want to make sure they don't become larger issues, right? Like a check-in or a checkup. It's okay to do that, you know? So just know that there's no wrong reason. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. There's so many different ways to access it right now, um, but it doesn't have to be something really life-threatening or heinous. It can be these smaller things. Like I said, some people come in to do self-exploratory stuff. Others, it's because of small losses, large forms of grief. It can be anxiety, depression. It could be some people just want to check in on their sexual health and wellness, or with clients that want to improve their sex lives. People want to look at their dating process because they're single longer than they're wanting to be, and they want to just check in on their process and their expectations. Others come in because they're wondering about their relationship to drugs and alcohol or porn or sex, and they want to work with a sex therapist like myself who's certified to talk about, you know, should I be worried? Should I not be worried? Some people have come in because they want to work on just their own sex life with themselves. Some people come in to work on their masturbation. That's right. A certified sex therapist can help you improve your masturbatory life. Um masturbation practice. Some people come in because they're sex phobic, have some sex negativity, sexual trauma, right? Um, so many different things. People have come in to explore their gender. They're saying, you know, I'm feeling more non-binary. And that's actually a really important thing. You know, Demi Lovato, Sam Smith, these are famous people that are coming out as non-binary where they're not comfortable um, living within the gender binary, male or female. And they're saying they and them, I, I don't want to participate in that way. Oh, that's beautiful. I get that. Other people are coming in saying, I want to maybe try same sex sexuality and I help them work with that. What does that mean? What does that not mean? There's, there's so much. Therapy can be a really great way to unravel all those different threads. And that's why I love, let's just take a second to talk about the word queer. I love the word queer because what it really means is not gay. And that historically, the word queer was used as a pejorative against gay people. But the word queer has now really risen to a field of study, and it's about non-normativity. You can be hetero and queer. You can be gay and queer. Queer is not necessarily about your the gender of your partner. It can be. It's not necessarily about the kind of sex you're having, though it can be. To live queer is to live non-normatively, 
to live, you can be hetero and queer because even though you're dating someone of the opposite gender, maybe you don't want to play straight heterocentricity in the ways that most hetero people do, or maybe you don't want to perform your gender in the way most people do. Queerness is for someone to do whatever they do differently, opposite or whatever it is, right? I work with some hetero people that are very queer because they don't perform their masculinity in the standard way or run their relationship in a standard way. I'm working with a lot of people that traditionally identified as male or female now are feeling more comfortable with non-binary because they don't want these expectations placed upon them. I'm working with amazing heterosexual individuals that are going on these more queer dating apps because they don't want sexist, patriarchal, traditional expectations. Like, well, you're the woman, so you're gonna stay home, or you know, I'm a man, so I'm gonna be expected to pay for dinner, or I don't want toxic masculinity expected and assumed, or I might be a man in a heterosexual relationship, but that doesn't mean I'm a top or I'm assertive. There's so many different variants. Uh, some people claim queerness because you know they might only date women, but they date cis and trans women. And to them, that feels a little queer. And so they identify as queer, right? I mean, I've always said this very openly. I'm comfortable identifying as a man because I will push back on toxic masculinity, but I've never liked being called a man. So I like he and him pronouns. That feels good to me. But I don't like someone saying as a man or because you're a man, because now you're trapping me and limiting me based on my gender expression and my pronouns. And I don't like that. And so it's in those moments that I understood the they and them because it frees you of that. And there might be a time when I identify as they and them, not wanting any expectations placed upon me because I have a penis. And that's really what it, what it stems from. We are diagnosed at birth based on the genitals they see in front of them. And that's when we get messed up, when we, don't, when we don't realize that there's more than two sexes. Some people are intersexed, ambiguously sexed. Internal and external are very different. You can have a penis on the outside and a uterus on the inside. You can have a vagina on the outside and testes on the inside. You can be XXXO. There's so many variants, but we look at what we see, we make a decision based on that, and then bam, there's your gender, and we make all these assumptions about colors you'll like, who you'll date, what you'll wear, and a lot of people, it's not true. Got to take a break. When we come back, we'll keep breaking this topic down. I think it's very healing and liberating and important. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about, I mean, we were talking about therapy. Now we're talking about just the power and beauty of queerness. Claiming queer is the most liberatory identity you can claim because it means non-normative. Queer doesn't mean gay. Queer does not necessarily mean the gender of your partner. Queer theory is a is a literal area of study. There's norms, there's ethics, there's values. You can study queer theory. And I'm always queering all the work I do, which means flipping it on its head, looking for outliers, normalizing differences. And that's the beauty of the LGBTQIA plus spectrum, which by the way, the younger generations are all identifying as queer and on that that acronym because they don't want to just be seen as male, female, straight, or gay. They're realizing there's so much creativity and diversity within all of these different identifiers. And I understand that for the older generations, it feels like there's so many new words, there's so many new terms. Please don't be afraid. Please know that it's about mental health for individuals. And it's also about recognizing the diversity that always was, but we didn't have terms for it. And it's freeing people and it's helping people of mental health and it's helping people connect to resources. It's helping people build community. It's helping people feel legitimate and real. Like language matters. Language matters powerfully for mental health. If there's not a word for you, then you're not legitimate and don't feel like you exist. When we give you a term, we give you life. We bring you into the world. And then you can connect with resources and individuals and community and you can claim space. 
And that's why I like that we have all these new words because the world is far bigger than gay, straight, male, female, right? And a lot of us have had experiences outside of that and around that. I've owned this. It's even in my book, Rebel Love. Go read it in the intro. I've dated every gender expression there is. I've dated men. I've dated women. I've dated trans individuals. I've had sex with all of them. My, my sexual identity truly is sexually fluid, but I traditionally claim gay because the heterosexual community was so rigid in its definition that the fact that as a man, I was with a man, that meant I had to be gay. And that's not true. People can go throughout different positions in the duration of their life right? I was always too gay for the straight people, too straight for the gay people. And now queerness is a beautiful umbrella term that holds space for those that don't do identity in a normative, normal way. And that's what queer means. It doesn't mean gay, not, not in my lexicon and not in my community. And in the academic field of study, we queer things. It's an action. It's a verb. We, we flip things. We put them on their head. We look for outliers. We look for exceptions to the rule. We normalize what we didn't before, right? And it's expansive and it's healing. And we're seeing more and more of it. I love the younger generations, like I talk about endlessly, who aren't identifying as gay or straight. They're saying, I don't know. I'm flexible. I'm queer. They're, we're, you, you all think non-binary is a little odd. You wait. You're going to see a lot of people. I'm, I do a lot of forecasting, and I'm telling you, if you don't know someone who's non-binary now, you will. And you're going to see less and less people identifying as male or female. And most people are going to claim these terms that are in between those two poles. And it isn't a binary, so they're not really between. It's more of a constellation. They're spread out, you know. But get ready. It's coming. It's a beautiful thing. And same thing with the words gay and straight. You're not going to hear those words anymore either because people like me are being more open-ended than that, right? And it's a beautiful thing, it normalizes. So find value in that, if not for yourself, for other people. And I always say to people, do some exploring. What are your limits sexually or in terms of your gender? Push on them, because all, all of us live outside. Whatever the list is that you think makes up being hetero or you think makes up being a man or a female, no one aligns with all of those. Some people, there's a few things that they pull from other categories or they reject. None of us completely meet all those rules or expectations and we shouldn't. And I think a healthy part of mental health is saying, where does my gender hold me back? Where does the sexual orientation that I've claimed hold me back? Where does it limit me? Is it even completely true? What, what would it mean if I'd care and support to step outside and try something else? I would love for everyone to try opposite gendered sex, same gendered sex. That's sexual health and wellness. Trying it all, having experiences, they're developmental milestones. We don't build that in, but we need to. Try practicing the opposite gender. Try practicing no gender. What would it mean if you didn't choose your clothing and colors you wear based on the genitalia you have and what you were told you are at birth? What would it mean if you just wore what you liked? What would it mean if you wore whatever color? What, if it, what, if, what would it mean if you just dated whoever you wanted? What would it mean if we didn't try to fulfill heterosexuality or homosexuality? What would it mean if we weren't trying to perform and play male or female anymore? Where's the men's section? Where's the female section? What if we let go of all of that? What if you actually tried to be with the same gender or opposite gender? We get trapped. We are all more fluid than we realize. We just don't push on those boundaries. And we often aren't part of communities that support us pushing on those boundaries. And that's why I'm thankful for these celebrities coming out saying, like, we're not doing that anymore. Even let's go queer, let's queer things even further. Queering is even an article I was looking at where people said, much like the show The Golden Girls, where a bunch of friends live together, they're like, we want to live together as well. We want to we want to live with friends. They're queering heterosexuality. They're saying, just because I'm hetero doesn't mean I have to marry someone and have children. I can live with my friends. I can live with my partner and my partner's friends. I love that community living. 
right? I had a queer hetero friend where him and his wife lived separately, living, you know, living to living apart while together. Gwyneth Paltrow was doing that. Other people have done that. That's queering heterosexuality, doing it differently, being creative. And that's where health lives in the creativity, not in just performing and doing things the way we've been taught to. There's nothing wrong with you or your relationship because you do things differently. And I want to support people that say things like, I don't want kids, even though I'm a woman or we're married, or I don't want to get married, even though we've been in a long-term relationship, or I love you, but I don't want monogamy, or I want to be non-binary and wear different gendered expressions and clothing. I, I support that. You're allowed to ask that, even if you've been doing it differently for years. You're allowed to say to your wife of 30 years, I don't want to do monogamy anymore. Yes, you are. You're allowed to say to your husband of however long, I know I told you I wanted kids. I changed my mind. I want to root my life in fun and pleasure. I want to just spend our money traveling, doing other things. You're allowed to say to your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend of however long you've been together, I don't want to live together anymore, but I want to stay together. You're allowed to say, I want to try having relationships with other people. You're, you know, you're allowed to say, I want to try performing a different gender. At any point in your life, you're allowed to. You're never, it's never too late. You're never too old. If you are in your freaking 70s, 80s, or 90s, and you realize you've been living your life in the wrong way, it's okay to change it and flip it. It's never too late to try a new career, to try a new relational style, to try sex with someone of a different gender. Never too late. Your mental health is on the line. And I love that it's getting normalized. I love that I'm walking into coffee shops around and I'm seeing gay pride flags, trans pride flags, non-binary flags, more of that, more of that. All right, we gotta take a break. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and uh, God bless it. Just when I thought we had heard it all. Uh, do you guys remember a segment a long time ago? I think I did it twice where I was talking about all the new, all horrible, all absolutely horrible uh, things that are coming out of dating these days. And we were talking about things like ghosting, where that's a new term. And we even came up with the word zombieing, uh, where someone ghosts you, comes back and does it again, right? And we were like, these are horrible things. We need to normalize, you know, being more honest. Well, I'm looking at a study that brought up a few new ones, and it hurts my heart because none of these are good. We did mention breadcrumbing, right? Which is, these are all forms of non-committal behaviors, right? Breadcrumbing is where they kind of like slowly drop you a few forms of attention or outreach to kind of keep you interested, but really it's just them being casual, non-committed, and no one's willing to just own that or talk about that. And it was interesting, the article was looking at also in terms of employment. I thought this was interesting. Um, it, a study that came out in, in February 2021 stated that 77% of job seekers have been ghosted by a prospective employer. Like they, I guess they interviewed to offer the job and then just disappeared. Like 77, that I, I'd have to go back and look because that sounds really high. And it said yet 76% of employers have been ghosted by a candidate. And I was like, that's a high number too, to like take a job and then never show. Like those are high numbers. So it's happening in, in other worlds as well. Um, none of these things are very kind or mature. But um, so here's some new, some new ones. Breadcrumbing. When someone appears to engage with you by leaving a trail of breadcrumbs, little tidbits, but never really commits to anything solid or specific, kind of stringing you along. Okay, we're kind of familiar with that one. Here's a brand new one I've never heard of. Submarining. Again, these are not, these are basically, please don't do these, right? Without notice, someone vanishes into a long period of non-communication, gone off radar, and then suddenly resurfaces and reaches out again as though nothing happened. They submarined you. 
Now we can misapply them because sometimes people do get focused on other responsibilities, but you know, then we talked about this one. I knew this one orbiting. It's when you circle around someone online, right? You, you follow them, you like things, you make their, you make, you make your presence known, but you never make any really serious contact. So the person's like, well, wait a minute, they're following me, they're liking stuff, but like what? Yep, that's, that's orbiting. And as an orbiter, your intentions may be good, but not so helpful. I mean, that's re- it's hard to pin down. I know those are hard ones. These are all very transactional. So how do they hurt us? Well, it's, you know, again, people are always trying to figure out what's going on. That's something that comes up in my office a lot. What do you think they want? What do you think they meant? Where do you think they get? It's confusion. It's self-doubt. People are lonely, right? People are dealing with abandonment stuff. And so all of a sudden they're dating, you know, they've worked really hard to get their confidence back to put themselves out there. And then people are like coming and going and disappearing. We, we, it, it, it really is a conversation of bringing ethics back, being caring, compassionate and honest with where you are and what you want. And I've heard clients say to me, I know Dr. Chris, I know what you'd say I need to do, but no one does that. And it's like, yeah, but I want you to, I want us to normalize being better. Never let yourself off the hook from being better because it's just not typical. People will appreciate and will remember that you were better and you'll start to normalize that. Hold your friends accountable to being, excuse me, hold your friends accountable to being better. You be better. No longer let your social group be those people that just ghost. Just fire off the text message letting someone know. Don't breadcrumb. You know, let someone know if you need to take some time away. You know, don't submarine where you disappear and come back. Um, Don't orbit. If you think that someone's confused, let them know your interests. There's nothing wrong with transparency and vulnerability. There's nothing wrong with honesty. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of care. But you know, on the receiving end, you know, you don't have to be victimized by that. You can decide for yourself what it's going to be. You don't have to let someone come and go as they please. You can de- decide this just doesn't feel good to me. It's too chaotic. Let's not connect anymore. You know, or I need you to let me know if you're going to disappear for a while so I don't personalize it right? Like give me a heads up. So it's okay to expect some accountability and responsibility. In fact, you need to from those around you. Let's not continue to normalize this stuff and be like, oh, everyone does it because everyone has, but we've all, that's horrible. <laughs> I want to live in a world where, where, where no one's doing this, you know? So just be forthcoming. Um, there's a couple other ones. There was like paper clipping. I can't remember what that one meant, but these are all like horrible forms of not taking seriously the responsibility of having connected with someone and brought them into your life. And I don't care if it's just online. I don't care if it's just a hookup. I don't care if we've only gone out once. If, if you've connected with someone, there's an accountability and responsibility to letting them know where you're at, what you want, and what's going on. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not mature enough to date. So just be more transparent, be more honest. But also, let's not be victims. If you have questions to ask, ask. It's not always gonna be about someone telling you. Sometimes you have to ask, hey, what is this? Hey, where have you been? Or whatever it is. We have to also take some responsibility for getting our needs met, you know what I mean? We can't expect people to have the confidence and transparency that we aren't also willing to bring forth or bring forward. Um, I'll keep reporting on all these terms. They hurt my heart, you know what I mean? Like I'm not on the dating apps anymore or in hookup culture, but my God, whew, can be fun stuff, beautiful stuff, necessary stuff, but it can also beat you up a little bit. It's a, it's a rough game out there, you know what I mean? Better served if we're all a little bit kinder. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And if you wanna check out past episodes, go over to wearechannelq.com. All past episodes are there. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, blam, there they are. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around, we'll be back. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and uh, it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astro Glide. Gliding into the DMs. All right, let's see what do we got here. Bum, bum, bum. Hey, Dr. Chris. My name is Christina and I've been with my boyfriend for almost two years. However, there's some information I've never shared. We met many, many years ago. We also tried to date at some point. Obviously it didn't work out. We both moved on, but there's something, wait, what is this? Uh, okay. Got it. But there's one thing I can't get over back then. I found out it wasn't working out because someone else told me he was cheating on me. And now getting into this new version of the relationship. I love it. Uh, he's changed and so have I, but I still feel a little uncertainty about it. That's understandable. Um, if someone can cheat on you historically, what makes it any different now? Should I just get over it? I feel like I might be too far in. Bum, 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 bum. I like this question because it kind of brings up a lot of cultural, you know, um, assumptions that I think are kind of erroneous. Uh, once a cheater, not always a cheater. Once in anything, not always in anything. You know what I mean? Uh, psychotherapy, uh, my entire profession, is rooted on the theory that people can and do change. And they do. I work with people that are constantly making improvements in their you know, ethics, their characterological style, their attachment style, their you know, norms and values, whatever it is. Uh, people cheat for different reasons as well. So that's part of understanding this, right? Is some people date, I'm sorry, some people cheat because they're not in the right relationship. Some people cheat because they're immature. Some people cheat because they don't have any compassion. Some people cheat because they lack the you know, communication skills to ask for what they want. Some people cheat because of poor boundaries. Some people cheat because of narcissism right? Like there's so many different things that drive it. And sometimes it is contextual or situational. And I work with a lot of people that have done things in their past. We've, let me say it like this. We have all done things in our past that we would not now do moving forward. And for them, this might fall into that category. Um, you know, people grow and change. So that's really the question is how's it been thus far? Does this person demonstrate, you know, better boundaries, better communication skills, more honesty, more trust? But I think it's something to talk about and bring up. I, I want people to be in very intimate, honest, transparent relationships where they can say things like, hey, cheated on me in the past. You know, help me understand what that was about so I can feel comfortable moving forward knowing that that won't happen again. You know, we have to be able to ask those things. If you're in a relationship where you can't talk about, then you have larger problems. You're in a relationship that lacks the intimacy or the stability to bring up possibly conflictual topics, but 
I don't see a reason why this would have to be a conflictual topic. In my mind, this would fall under something very reasonable. But um, <clears throat> should you just get over it? No, you should be able to talk it out lovingly, calmly. Um, there shouldn't be any accusations. This is not who the person might be now. You know, I think I've shared this before. This is some of the work I do with people that you know, well, actually anyone who's trying to move into a new self has a right to leave behind them prior behavior. We don't have to drag forward older versions of who we are if we've done the work and we've changed, right? Um, we don't have to always be accountable to prior bad behavior or wounds if, again, we've taken accountability, done the work, looked at where we need to grow and really moved into that, you know? So release that. Give this person a new opportunity. You've been with them now for, I think you said two years. So you have two years to reflect on how safe is this relationship and how much trust can I really you know, put into this person. <clears throat> but for those that are new and someone might disclose that they've cheated in the past, honor that disclosure. That disclosure is a part of health and moving forward, the acknowledgement of who they were, you know, who they aren't now. So you don't need to just let it go. Yes, you need to talk it out. It shouldn't have to be anything that creates a lot of drama, right? And uh, you have to hold a space for this person to be different and better. We all want that. We all have to be afforded that. You know, it's a reasonable request. So um, yeah, I like it though. DMs always come from the DMs in our Loveline IG page. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on the IG page. And uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, there they all are. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about uh, sexual functioning and some of the things that are misunderstood. It's going to be a very gendered conversation. Um, so stick around. We all got something to learn from it. You know, but uh, spend the rest of your night focusing on self care, tons of it, a little bit of joy and pleasure, as much rest as possible, you know, and uh, rejoin us again tomorrow. So be kind to yourselves and especially be kind to those around you. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.